So this morning we are beginning a new series for the next few weeks entitled Emotions. And what we'll be looking at over the next few weeks are some of the emotions that, that if you're a human and you're alive, which last time I checked, everybody in this room fits that category, right? You feel these. Over the next few weeks, we'll talk about some of the most common feelings, emotions that we have, and, and we'll reflect upon this, that, that we all have emotions, but some of us, we may feel like sometimes our emotions have us, right? Like, you know the difference between those? Like, you have emotions, but sometimes in life, we feel like our emotions are the thing that's controlling us. That rather than us managing them and stewarding them and overseeing them, sometimes it can feel like the reverse, that, that our emotions are controlling us. And, and, and there's maybe a belief out there that, that really your, your emotions are the thing that, that that's what defines you and that's what dictates you. And, and for Christians, for people of faith, we recognize this, that, that while we have emotions, they don't, they don't run the show, so to speak. That we can actually see them and manage them and interpret them through the lens of our faith. And that's what we're going to look at over the next few weeks, is how do we do that with some of those big emotions that we all feel throughout our life? Uh, and today we begin uh, with the emotion, the feeling of anxiety. Uh, and, and is there anything we've learned, like, as a, as a world from the past three years since spring of 2020 is everybody's anxious. Everybody's anxious. They were already anxious before then, but it's like only been worse since, right? Since the pandemic and, and all the things in our world around us, like it seems like anxiety has been, been getting worse and worse. And anxiety is something that, that every single one of us has. And, and so we're going to look at that today. But first, a couple notes about anxiety to talk about it in general. One, anxiety is incredibly complex, uh, so there's no way that I'm going to be able to address, like, everything about it, but also I recognize that I have a certain lane I'm in as a pastor. Like, I'm in the Jesus lane. I'm in the Scripture lane, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But I want you to realize this about anxiety, is that to, to deal with anxiety in its wholeness is you need a holistic approach to it. And, and that for some people, dealing it with our faith is not going to be the thing that you you only turn to. I would say it's a part of it. But for some of us, we need other pieces to deal with our anxieties. We may need a, a therapist or, or someone who's in a trained professional degree that we can meet with. Some of us may even need, need some sort of medication, some sort of way of dealing with it at kind of a chemical level. And so I want you to realize this, that there's a whole lot of tactics, a whole lot of things that you and I and all of us can do to deal with anxiety, and our faith is a part of it. And what I'm going to talk about today is what our faith says about it. But know this, that it's not the whole conversation. Making sense? Because here's the thing, when it comes to anxiety, even just saying that, we have to recognize that there's a whole spectrum of anxiety. There's the kind of common anxieties that, that come and go and are very short-spanned and, and people go through them. We all deal with that. Um, then on the other end of the spectrum, there's the more clinical anxiety, which is the pervasive, the ongoing, the stuff that you can't just kind of work yourself through, but it's something that you need more help with. And, and here's what I know, statistically speaking, is that in this room right now, we probably have people all along that spectrum in this room right now. 
from common anxiety to the clinical anxiety. And, and so wherever you fall on that, here's what I want you to know is that, that our faith says something about how we manage and deal with our anxiety. And my hope and prayer is that no matter where you fall is that you can take this and, and help deal with it from, from the perspective of your faith, knowing that it's not the whole thing, but it's a key part of it. Tracking with me so far? One more thing about anxiety, just to make sure we know what anxiety is. Sometimes people think, well, is anxiety good or bad? Like, is it a good thing? Is it a bad thing? And here's what we need to remember. Anxiety is just a thing. Like, there is a level of anxiety that's actually good. Like, if you feel anxious, like if you're out camping in the woods and you get anxious when it's the middle of the night and you hear something and you get anxious, that's your body trying to make sure you don't die, <laughs> just so you know. That level of anxiety actually protects us and helps us stay clear of imminent danger that we may be aware of. So anxiety, like it's a thing and it's a signal that something may need to be looked at. It's a signal that you may need to look at something under the hood, so to speak. I, I think of it this way. Uh, when I got married and then when I had kids, I, I thought I knew the job description. And by and large, like, I've, I've understood when I signed on for this what the job description was. What I didn't realize was the job description was as a dad and as a husband is that I'm also, like, nighttime investigator. Some of you know what I'm talking about. It's the middle of the night. Everything's dark. There's a noise in the house. My wife, my kids look at me and they're like, are you going to go check that out? <laughs> and that's my job. My job is to go into the dark and make sure that it's just a bug or it's just some appliance making a buzzing noise and it's not a murderer. And so my job is to go and to make sure that everybody's safe and to lay down my life for the sake of my family. That's, that's in the job description I've learned. I think about that when I think about anxiety. Anxiety is is when you're in the middle of the night and you hear that and you need to investigate it. That's what anxiety is. It's, it's a signal that you may need to investigate something deeper because anxiety may not be the issue. It may be something underneath the surface. So with all that being said, what does our faith say about anxiety? Knowing that it's just a piece, what does our faith say? Well, to look at that, we're actually going to look to the center of our faith, Jesus. And we're going to look at what he does with his anxiety, because maybe you didn't realize this. Jesus was anxious. We just read it in the gospel reading from Matthew 26, and actually a number of the other gospels record the same story and by and large describe the same scene. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. It's Thursday evening after they just shared the Passover meal. His disciples think everything's going normal, but Jesus knows what's going to happen imminently. He knows that he's about to be betrayed and handed over to death and be tried and accused and hung upon a cross to die and then laid in a tomb. He knows that that's about to happen. And so after dinner, they go and, and we see Jesus deal with his anxiety. We see Jesus deal with his anxiousness, and we see him do a couple of things that I think are instructive for us in our anxiety. The first thing he does is this, is that, is that he opens up to his friends 
and he, he reaches out to them. Here again, these couple verses from Matthew 26. We heard these earlier, but I want you to notice, notice this. It says, then Jesus, this is after dinner, then Jesus went with them, his, his closest disciples. He went to them to, with them to a place called Gethsemane, that garden, and he said to his disciples, sit here while I go over there uh, and pray. And taking with him, key word, taking with him, Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. That word troubled can actually also be translated as anxious. He was sorrowful and troubled. And then he said to his friends, said to them, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Stay here and watch with me. This is the Son of God talking, saying, I'm anxious. I am overcome with this emotion, and I need you, my friends, to be with me in it. He opens up and reaches out to his friends in his anxiety. What do you do when you get anxious, when you feel that anxiety over? What do you do? Here's what I tend to do. I tend to go on a journey by myself in the land of what-ifs. That's what I do. I go on a journey on my own in the land of what-ifs. Well, what if this happens and then everything falls apart? What if that person doesn't do what they said they would do? And all of a sudden, I'm, you know, I go through the land of what ifs, and it's very tempting. I don't know if you guys have ventured there on your own before. I go there plenty of times. You go there and you ask, what if? What if? You imagine various scenarios, and it always sounds so appealing because what what the land of what-ifs tells you is, listen, if you come here and you spend time here and you think about it, you're going to be more prepared. You're going to be ready. You're going to be able to handle what comes next. And here's what I want you to know. It's a lie. The land of what-ifs is a lie because it just makes your anxiety worse. It just makes you more stressed, more worried, more anxious playing the what-if game on your own. But what, what do we see Jesus do? Jesus doesn't venture off on his own. When he is overcome with, with his anxiety, knowing what's about to come, his death, his, his substitution for the sin of the world, how stressful that must have been, he did not remain alone, but he opened up to his friends. He said, hey, I need you guys with me. I need to open up, and I need you to be alongside me. And if Jesus, the perfect, sinless Son of God, needed his friends with him in his anxiety, do you think you do too? Do you think I do? We absolutely do. That's the first thing we see Jesus do, and that's the invitation for us, is that when you are in your anxiety, you need to have people that you open up to, that you reach out to. Maybe they're your spouse or, or family members or close friends, but I would encourage you to also include in that list people who share your faith in Jesus. Over the next handful of weeks, coming into kind of October or fall time, we're going to be making a big push for, for people of peace, for you, to get plugged into to small groups outside of our time together in worship. Because worship is amazing, and we want to be here, but here's what I want to let you know. Um, we sit in rows here, right? Like, you guys are all in rows, and, and I'm flapping my lips, 
I'm talking, we come and we receive God's good gifts, and we need all these things. Not necessarily me flapping my lips, but, but we need to be here receiving God's gifts, and this is a necessary part of our faith. But you know what we also need? We need to not just be in rows, we need to be in circles. Because it's in circles where relationships are formed and strengthened, and it's there where you begin to muster up the courage when you get to know some other people who share your faith, who are part of your church, and you're in a small group with them outside of worship, and you begin to muster up the courage and say, like, man, I'm going to open up, I'm going to reach out about the thing I'm stressed about, my anxiety over this thing, and I'm going to be honest with them, and I'm going to be transparent, and it's risky, and then you know what you're going to hear? You're going to hear somebody else say, oh, you too? I, I deal with that too. And then you get to walk alongside one another and be there for one another. And the only way you do that is by opening up. The only way you do that is by reaching out. And Jesus invites us to do that. And if Jesus needed to do it, so do we. But Jesus continues. He goes on, and and the second thing he does is he doesn't just reach out to his friends. The next thing he does is he reaches up and he pours out to his heavenly Father. See, that's really what Jesus was doing in the garden. He brought his friends along, but what did he go there to do? He went there to pray. And prayer is is talking to our Heavenly Father. It is pouring out. It is reaching up to our Father. And you know what? Like, if you listen closely to Jesus' prayer, this is like Pastor Andy translation of Jesus' prayer. Dad, I'm really stressed out. That's Jesus' prayer. Dad, I'm really stressed out. And some of the Gospels tell us that he was sweating drops of blood because of the stress and anxiety he was feeling. And Jesus is going to his Father and pouring it out to him and reaching up and saying, Father, I am stressed. And he even goes as far to say, if there's another way, let me do that. The Son of God in his humanity perfect, sinless, was still saying and being honest in his prayers, listen, Dad, if there's another way than than going to the cross and, and taking upon the sins in that, let me take that other way. Did you know you can be that honest with God in your prayer? Like you, when you feel that anxiety come upon you, you can be as uneloquent as you are. You can just let it flow and pour it out to him. And that's what he fundamentally invites you to do. And and I want you to see that anxiety at a certain level is really an invitation for you to pray. Anxiety, when you feel it, is actually an indicator like, man, I need to pray. I need to take this to him. I need to pour it out to my father. I need to just let it out. I need to pray to him, whatever whatever that may come out as. You don't need to fluff it up. You just need to let it go to him, and he can handle it as raw and unfiltered as it is. He invites you to pray to him, and and this is what Paul later in the New Testament says from Philippians chapter 4, where Paul, he says this, don't be anxious about anything. Now, sometimes we stop it right there, And if you stop it right there, it sounds like Paul is being that terrible friend who, when you're anxious, just says, Just, like, stop being anxious. Just, like, get over it. Not very helpful, is it? 
But notice, that's not what Paul is saying. He's saying, don't be anxious about everything. In other words, don't stay in that state on your own, but rather, what do you do with that anxiety? But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. When you have that energy of anxiety in you, don't keep it there, but, but put it somewhere. And Paul and Jesus is showing us, put it to your heavenly Father and bring it to him because you're going to feel it. And the invitation is for you to bring it to him so that his peace will transform you, will come upon you. You know, maybe some of you have had this thought, or maybe you've thought about it too, but, but a lot of times people wonder, like, man, is being anxious a sin? Like, it, am I sinning when I'm feeling anxious, when I have this anxiety in me? And, and I would say this, um, anxiety in and of itself, the feeling you have of anxiety is is not in and of itself a sin, but we can sin in our anxiety, if you know the difference. Sin and anxiety in and of itself is not the sin. Sin can happen when we are in our anxiety. We go off track when we have our anxiety and we say, I'm just going to deal with it myself. I'm just going to keep it in. And we have this offer from God who says, bring it to me. Say it to me. Offer it up to me. And God says, bring it, and, and I will hear it, and I will be with you, and I will comfort you in it. And we say, no thank you. We tell God, I'm all set. I can handle it. That, that's where we go off track. But God invites us in our anxiety to follow in the example of Jesus and to bring it to our Heavenly Father to open up to others, to pour out to our Heavenly Father. Jesus does one more thing, though. The third thing he does, if you want to go to the next slide, there we go, perfect. Uh, Jesus does one more thing, and what he does is he speaks God's truth into his anxiety. Not only does he open up to his friends, which is good, not only does he pour out to his Heavenly Father, but he also speaks the truth of God into his anxiety. Because uh, notice, Jesus' prayer was, Father, if there's another way, let me take that way. But then he immediately follows it up. You know what he says next? He says, but your will be done. And he begins his prayer by saying, God, you are all powerful. You are over all things. What is Jesus doing when he says those two things? He's, he's praying to God, but he's speaking the truths of God to God himself, to his heavenly Father. And, and I imagine God the Father is like, well, I know all those things already, Jesus. <laughs> but Jesus is not just saying them to God. He's saying them to himself. God, you are over all things. You are all powerful. And God, you have a plan, and you are at work even now, and I'm going to speak those truths into my anxiety so that I am grounded in your truth and in hope. Because that is what is real, that is what is true, is God's promises and God's activity and God's character. And what we do in our faith is that when we have the anxiety, is we speak those truths to ourselves and into our situation. Here's what this looks like. It, it looks like this. You speak what is into your what ifs. 
You speak what is into your what ifs. What is is the truths of God, who he is, what he promises to you, what he's done for you, who he says you are, and you take those and you speak them. When you feel the what-ifs well up within you, you speak them into it to ground you in hope, to cut through the anxiety and the lies that that are in you. Like, for instance, it, it may look like this. You say to yourself, what if the worst thing happens? Well, what is true is Jesus is still on his throne, and he is working all things for our good. What if I am found to be a fraud and I uh, make a huge mistake and I hurt the people who are closest to me in my life and I do something awful? Like, what if that happens to me? Well, what is true is is Jesus' grace is sufficient for you in all circumstances, and Jesus' love for you is so, so deep and immense that he will never love you any less than he loves you right now, no matter what you do. What if um, I just, like, run away from all my problems, I forsake all my responsibilities, and I curl up in a ball, and I just watch Netflix? Here's what is true. God says, be still and know that I am God and I am good for you. You see what I mean? You speak what is true of God into your what ifs and it cuts through the lies and it grounds you in the the sure foundation of God and his love for you. You know, Martin Luther, who we get our namesake after as, as Lutherans, um, Martin Luther, uh, back in the 1500s, uh, he did something very bold. Um, he went to the most powerful man on the earth at that time, the Pope, the head of the Holy Roman Emperor, head of the church on earth. And Martin Luther had the boldness to say, I think we've gone off course from what God's word says. Because God's word, when I read it, I see that God says that we are forgiven and we're made right with him by no effort of our own, but only by his grace. And I think we've departed from that and we need to go back to it. And long story short, the Pope did not take too kindly to that. And the Pope ordered Luther to be banished and ultimately said, I'm going to send people to kill you. And so Luther, by the help of some of his influential friends, hid in a castle by himself for 300 days. Now just imagine you being alone in the Middle Ages for 300 days. (laughs) That was Luther's life. And if you read his writings, you can clearly tell, man, he had some mental health struggles. He had worry and anxiety He had all of that. But what he says in the midst of all of it, he says that that in his time in that castle, in his struggles through all of that, his anxiety, his depression, all of it, what he would always do is he would always go back to this truth and he would shout it to himself in the middle of that castle by himself. He would say, I am baptized. 
When he was overcome by his emotions, by his anxiety, he shouted it into the universe. He shouted it to himself, I am baptized, because he knew that because he was baptized, that gave promises from God to him, that he was God's child, that he was God's son, that he was forgiven by God, that God was with him, that God's spirit was upholding him, and that no matter what happened to him, no matter if he was killed, he would be with God now, and God would resurrect him to live forever. He knew it, and so he shouted it to himself. He spoke God's truth, what is, into his what ifs. See, that's why we learn Scripture, friends. Like, you don't learn Scripture. We don't try and learn Scripture just because when we get to heaven, we can impress our friends and we can walk around being like, I know how big the ark was. That's not why we learn it. Here's why we learn Scripture. We learn Scripture so that we know the truths of God, so that when you are overcome by your anxiety, you can speak God's truth and his what is into your what ifs. And you can do that for other people too. When you see them, you can speak God's truth into their life and give them hope and a foundation on his truth. Jesus opens up to his friends. He pours out to his Father. He speaks God's truth into his circumstance. And my hope and prayer, my hope and prayer is that as we do those things, we, we can respond like Jesus does. Because what Jesus does after doing all of that is he stands up and he addresses the core of his anxiety. He goes head on into the source of his anxiety, the cross that was before him. But you, you see Jesus do it with confidence and with purpose, and he goes right at it, and he's not overcome by it. And my prayer for us is that we would do the same with the sources of our anxiety. But I care about you, and so I need to tell you this, that that's not always going to happen. We want it to, but, but sometimes, even many times, we are not going to be able to face our anxieties the way Jesus does. We're going to be overcome. We're going to get our butts kicked by our anxieties. And if that's you, I want you to know this above all else, that Jesus was faithful in his anxiety so that you can have peace when you falter. Jesus was faithful for you. Jesus was the only one who perfectly addressed his anxiety head on. Always. And he did it for you. He looked in his garden of, of anxiety. He was nailed to his cross of sin-bearing shame, and he was laid in his tomb of death, and he overcame all of it. So that you would know that that victory is yours. That even if anxiety beats you up day after day, you know in your heart you know that you have the victory and that even if anxiety gets the best of you now, it won't have the last word because Jesus has given you his victory. And so if the best you can do is on some days you feel like I just got to curl up in a ball on my couch and I can't do anything right now, but I know in my heart, Jesus, you love me and you have the victory for me. You're still good. Doesn't make you any worse of a person. Doesn't make you any more broken than anybody else. It just makes you human. And Jesus wants you to know that he has won the victory for you.
and that there's coming a day where there will be no more anxiety, no more worry, no more fear, because Jesus has won that for us. Amen.